want to welcome you guys to Above the Clouds. Why don't you guys give God a hand? I'm, I'm really, really excited about this Above the Clouds theme. And I don't know about you guys, but I really want to receive this, this, this word. Like, I really want to receive what this whole Above the Clouds thing is. Because I believe that, that this concept, that this theme that we have going on for our retreat, I believe that it's, it's life-changing. I believe that it's extraordinary. Like, it's such an amazing, it's such an amazing concept above the clouds. And I personally, I don't know how you guys came, but I came ready to receive this concept. Again, I believe this message is going to revolutionize our lives if we understand it. So let's just pray. Let's pray for this message. I'm so excited for it. <sighs> Heavenly Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we just, we thank you. We thank you for, for speaking to us. We're thank, we thank you for bringing us here safely. Father, I ask that you just bless your people, that you continue, God, to bless your people this weekend, Father. I ask, God, that you fill them up, Lord. Jesus, fill us up. Let our cups overflow. We want to overflow with you. We just want to feel you so much. We don't want to leave here the same. And I know that we say that, God, but I just, I mean it so much. I don't want to leave here the same, God. I want to leave here knowing you more and understanding you more and just, just believing in who you are in my life more, God. So, Father, I just ask that you bless this message, God. Bless this message, Lord. Holy Spirit, it is your message, God. And, and I know that you're going to speak. I'm just a vessel, Lord, that you, just, that you use, Father. So use me on this night, Father. Just let us understand and comprehend, Lord, what it is that you want us to understand, God. And I know that you want us to know you more. I know that your desire is for, you, for us to know you, Lord, to be more intimate with you, God. And so we just receive that tonight, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, um, I'm going to be reading from the book of Hebrews mostly tonight. So let's get ready to kind of camp there. Um, but as I was reading the book of Hebrews, I don't know if this ever happens to you guys, but sometimes, for me anyway, I hope I'm not alone. If I'm not alone, just shout an amen here and there. Let's be interactive tonight. I know that it's late, but let's, let's stay awake, right? Okay, yep, that's how we do it. <laughs> so um, the book of Hebrews, sometimes what has happened to me when, I read the Bi when I've read the Bible, I forget that um, Paul is writing letters to people not towns. Like, God isn't writing a letter to the town of Ephesus. Like, he's writing it to the people in Ephesus, the Ephesians. Um, so, when we, when we look at those letters that Paul wrote, and when we look at them that way, of like, he's writing to these people, he's writing to those people, it gives us a really good context of what he is saying. Amen? Amen. Cool. So, when I was reading uh, Hebrews, I was able to... Um, 
I was able to see that. I was able to see how God was specifically, through Paul, speaking to the Hebrew people. Now, the Hebrew people are the Hebrew people. They're God's chosen people. They're the Israelites. They're the milk and honey people. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those are those, these are those people. So these people that Paul is addressing in Hebrews, um, these people have lineages. And they have like a heritage. And they have this, this line of like ancestors that is like big. They have Abraham. They have Moses. They have Isaac, Jacob. They have Samuel. Like they have David. Like this is where, this is where these people come from. So it's safe to say that these people know about God. Amen? It's safe to say that they understand uh, the scripture. The scriptures that were written. They understood them. They've been taught them. They've heard about God since they were born. They heard about how this God saved, uh, saved people from, from slavery through Moses. They've heard about the Red Sea. Like they know their history. Amen? So when you have Paul and you have all the other apostles and you have Jesus coming to them and saying, yeah, this is your history, but we're going to change a couple things. It's hard for them because they're so used to what they used to, what they're used to. I got a little. <laughs> they're so used to what they used to. Um, they're so used to what they know because you only know what you know, right? You don't know what you don't know. Can I get an amen? Somewhere, come on. <laughs> so this is where they stand. And what Paul does through this book of, of, of uh, Hebrews, he, what he's doing is he's speaking their language. And so I'm telling you guys this so that you guys understand the, concept, the context as I'm reading, as we're reading, you understand where Paul is coming from and why he's saying certain things to them. Um, some of us, we actually kind of come from like a similar background as the Hebrews. For the Hebrew people, they had a certain understanding of how certain things functioned. And for us sometimes, whether we've been in church or not, we also have a certain understanding of how certain things function. And when we feel like we get it, like we kind of camp there. And we don't really want to hear anything new, or we might not be open to hearing anything new, because we feel like, oh, I know that already. You get what I'm saying? And if we kind of take on that, that way of thinking, we become like this, I know this mentality. And what happens when you have this, I know this mentality, you, it, it'll be difficult for you to be open to receive new things that God is trying to speak to you. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but God is always speaking newness into us all the time. Yes. Amen? Yes. Whew, that's good. So Paul uses their past to show them their now and what is to come. This weekend, I'm expecting God to make changes um, personally for me. In my mind, my, my heart, my spirit, I'm, I'm, I'm so like excited, like I was telling you guys earlier, to receive this message. Sometimes when we come to retreats, we get caught up in like the hoopla of things, like all oh, the bunks, all oh, the food, oh, let's get there, that we forget that we're, that we're coming to actually receive something. Yeah, we're coming to get away, but we're also coming to receive something. And so I don't know how many of you guys are on that tip, <laughs> but I'm on there. Like, I'm here to receive. 
And so far, holy moly, I've received a lot. <laughs> so I want to start at the beginning. And I want to just talk about what God wanted at the beginning for just a little bit. Um, so in the beginning, when, when God created everything, really what he wanted with his people is communion, is fellowship. And I know that we've talked about this, and I know that you've heard this, but just, just humor me for a moment. I'm getting somewhere. Um, God wanted relationship with us. That's what he desired. That's why he created us, because he wanted to have a relationship with you. And I don't know if, if when you guys read Genesis, I don't know if you guys ever think or imagine. I have a very descriptive imagination. So when I think about God and Adam and Eve, I think about them walking in, down the beautiful garden. And I think about like God even holding their hands or, or, or God putting his arm around Adam. Can you guys imagine that? Can you imagine God putting his arm around you? Like God, who just created everything putting his arm around you and just like as you're walking you're both kind of like hitting the leaves I don't know I have a, a really detailed imagination if you want to know what else I think talk to me after and we'll go there but um, that's all he wanted he wanted that communion that closeness that nearness with us but as you know what happened sin entered their lives and what sin did is it separated God from his people. It separated us from God. And I don't know if we can imagine that because I don't, you know, we've never been um, in that situation maybe where we were really close ones and then we were separated, but it was a big deal. It was a really, really big deal to be separated from God and to not have him by our sides anymore. That was a big deal. And so sin caused that for us. Sin um, is, is the great separator which separated us from our holy creator. You guys follow so far? Okay, so let's go to um, Exodus. And we're going to go to chapter 25. Just want to give a shout out to Blue because he lent me his Bible. So thanks, Blue, for lending me your Bible. My phone has no reception. So um, you guys there? So we're going to do 25 verse 8. Whoops, oh my God. You guys won't believe what I just did. I tried to scroll up the page. Oh, technology. Sorry, forgive me all you book lovers. Okay, pages don't scroll, come on. All right. Okay, so let's read this. This is what God is saying. He's saying, have the people of Israel build me a sanctuary so I can live among them. I'm going to read that again. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. So when I read this, I felt God when I read this. And what he is saying is he's telling, he's saying here, he's saying, have them build me a sanctuary. Have them build me a place or I can dwell with my people still. See, God has never given up on us. Like, he has never given up on us. Even when we were consumed by our sin, even when sin had dominion over us, God didn't give up on us. 
And so what I hear here, what I get from this passage is, is I get God trying to still connect and trying to reach out to his people that he so loved. You guys get that? So what happened was that measures had to be taken in order for that connection to be established. Sacrifices for cleansing had to be set in place in order for the people to, to be able to approach or even fathom or, or think about having a relationship with God. So we had measures for connection and sacrifices established for cleansing, cleansing us of our sin, of our sinful nature. But it was not the same. It was not the same as we once had it. But it was something. Let's go to Hebrews 9. And we're going to read 1, verse 1. You guys there? Cool. Okay, so we're going to read 1 through 3. And it says, That first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. Excuse me. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room were a lampstand, a table, and, sa and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was a second room called the most holy place. So this is, this is what was established. This is what God had asked for in order to connect with us. This, this tabernacle. In this tabernacle, it says that there was two rooms. But actually, there was, there was several things going on. So when, when Moses and them first created this, it wasn't an actual building, but it was tents. So what they established was they established this place outside of the tents was called the outer courts and in the outer courts everybody can hang out there everybody everybody and their sin and their mama could hang out in the outer courts in the holy place only priests can come in there and in that place they would do different things like preparing the sacrifices and things like that but in the most holy place only the the most highest priest or the high priest could enter into that place because in that place was the place where the spirit of God descended upon only in that place can you guys imagine God's presence only in one place and you can't get in there only one dude can get in there one guy there was a curtain separating us and everybody from them so I want you guys to keep this curtain in mind because this curtain is a big deal okay Let's go to Hebrews 9 again, but we're going to read verse 6. We're reading a lot tonight, so just, you know, bear with me. So Hebrews 9, 6, you guys there? Cool. It says, when these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed the religious duties. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people. Uh, the sins the people, sorry. Blood for his own sins and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. So let's stop there. 
So the high priest, this guy, he was actually, he wasn't just anybody. Like, he had to be chosen by God. Just not any person who wanted the honor could take upon this duty. This person or these, these men had to be chosen by God. So what this man would do is he would go into the holy place, but before, I'm sorry, the most holy place, but before he can go into the most holy place or the holy of holies, he had to sacrifice first for himself because he himself was a human person. He himself had sinned that whole year as well. So he first had to sacrifice for himself and then he had to sacrifice for the people because how can this man go and sacrifice for others when he himself needed sacrifices or needed to needed to be cleansed you guys follow so this was an imperfect person cleansing themselves so that then they can present the offerings of the rest of the people so that they can be cleansed for only one year one year their sins were atoned for only one year Let's go to uh, verse 8. So by these, oh, I'm sorry, you guys there? Okay. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. Isn't that crazy? So God had to establish this place, right? But this place was coming with limitations because he still couldn't connect with us in the way that he wanted to connect with us, in the way that he initially designed to be with us. He couldn't do that because of our sin. He couldn't do that because there wasn't a person yet who can eradicate and just destroy all of sin. That person didn't exist yet. So we had to deal or we had to make do with these temporary fixes. Can you guys say temporary fixes? Can you guys turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not down with that? I'm not down with that. En español es, a mí no me gusta eso. So, this is what these people are dealing with. They're dealing with the temporary fix in order to connect with God temporarily. That's not cool, right? Right? All right. So, what sin created was sin created these barriers. Can you guys say barriers? Barriers. Sin created barriers. Sin created this wall, this separation between us and our creator. And God wanted to take them away. God wanted to destroy them. So we're going to get into that right now. So as the people of Israel grew and they became a little smarter, um, they created a temple, which is Solomon's temple. Now this is interesting. I'm teaching you guys tonight a lot. I hope that you guys are entertained by this because I, I love this stuff. Um, you guys with me? Okay, cool. So they created Solomon's temple, right? Solomon's temple is like this big, amazing temple that now houses the Spirit of God. It's no longer tents, but it's a temple. So in this temple, um, God gave David all of, the, all of the measures, and he gave him the, the exact description of how this temple needed to be built. So when Solomon built it, they still had the place 
that was the most holy place where God's presence descended. But now this curtain, remember the curtain? Yeah, okay. This curtain was now 30 cubits high, which in our world is 45 feet, about 45 feet. So the, the place that separates everyone else from God is separated by a 45-foot 45, 45 curtain. Can you guys imagine that? Solomon's temple was later destroyed because of wars, and it was rebuilt again by Herod, a king. And when Herod rebuilt it, he changed that curtain, and he increased it. It went from 30 cubits to 40 cubits. So it went from 45 feet to now 60 feet high. <clears throat> So you have a 60-foot-high curtain. And this is in the times of Jesus. Amen? Okay. So let's go to Matthew. We're going to go to Matthew 27, uh, verse 50. You guys there? Y'all beat me. Okay, there I am. Okay, so let's read verse 50. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart. Let's read that again. I'm so excited about this. Okay, so then Jesus shouted. Can you guys say a shout? Woo! Jesus shouted, okay. He didn't shout like that, but we're gonna shout because this is awesome. So then Jesus shouted and again, I'm sorry, shouted it out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart. Okay, so check this out. I'm excited about this. Can you tell your neighbor, brace yourself? Brace yourself. Can you tell, in Espanol, agárrense. I love the Spanish translation. Okay, so, check this out. Okay, you guys with me? Okay. Jesus on the cross, okay? Temple with a curtain, okay? Jesus at the cross, he took up, he took on himself all of our sins. Curtain in the temple, put up there because of sin. You guys get me? So Jesus, at that moment, was that curtain. You guys hear? Jesus at that moment, when he was dying on that cross, was that curtain. Because that curtain was established because of sin. So basically that was a sin curtain that separated us from our Holy Lord. It separated us from getting into intimacy with Jesus Christ, with the Lord, with the creator of all. That curtain, Jesus. So when Jesus' body, when, when his body broke, so did the curtain. Do you guys get that? Whose mind is blown? Come on, like, come on, give me something. When his body broke, the curtain broke also. Why? Why did that happen? Why did, he, why did the curtain break? 
Why, did, why was it torn when his body was broken? Why when he died, did, did the curtain fall off? Why? Why did that happen? Was it a coincidence? No. No, it wasn't a coincidence. Jesus came to put an end between that separation between us and God. He came to destroy what separated us. He came to give his life for us so that we could be united with him once and for all. This is awesome. I'm so excited. Okay, so Jesus, just so that you know, Jesus was promised. All throughout the Old Testament, he had been promised. I'm not going to go through them, but I'm just going to tell you about them. If you want to read these promises or these promises of Jesus, you can go to Isaiah 9, 40, and 53. And you will see how Jesus was promised to us. So the promise from, or from Jesus or of Jesus, the point of him coming was that he was going to come to obviously fulfill the Mosaic Law but to destroy that separation. Because God didn't want to deal with separation anymore. The crazy thing is, is that the people of Israel, they had become okay with that type of relationship with God. They had become okay with it. They were fine with it. They didn't really press in for more. They didn't like dig into to, to get deeper into it. They just said, this is how we connect with God. This is all we're getting. That's cool. But while they were okay with it, God was not okay with it. So let's read um, Hebrews 2. Let's go to Hebrews 2. Let me hear an amen when you're there. Okay, and we're going to read verse 17. You guys there? Okay. So it says, Therefore, it was necessary for him to be, in, to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that, we could be, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. So, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Do you guys, rem- do you guys remember? Um, actually, I didn't say this, so you won't remember it. But in the Bible... In the Bible, in in, in the book of Hebrews, read it, it's so good. So in this book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus, and this is what he's saying to these people. Like, think about what he's saying to them, okay? He's saying to them, Paul is telling the Hebrews, he's saying, Jesus is better, check this out, than Moses. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Ooh. Don't mess with Moses. So Paul is saying to the Hebrews, Jesus is better than Moses. And then he says, he, he has the audacity, guys, to then say, and he's better than Abraham. Boom. Drop the mic. Just kidding. <laughs> and he's better than Abraham. Bam. So, so then I rationalize in my mind, okay, well, if Jesus is better than Abraham, who is the father of the faith, and he's better than Moses, then he's definitely better than Aaron. And if you guys don't know who Aaron is, Aaron is like the high priest, and from him come all the other high priests. So if he's better than Moses, and he's better than Abraham, then he's definitely better than Aaron. You guys agree? Cool. So this is what we have. We have the most, 
highest priest possible. Right here, Jesus Christ. The most highest priest possible. And then, check this out, Kevin. And then we have the purest, most perfect, most blameless, most just awesome sacrifice. I'm not talking about goats and chickens here. I'm talking about Jesus. We have the most high priest, like the supremest of all priests, Jesus Christ. And then the best sacrifice ever imaginable, Jesus Christ. So we have the best priest ever making a sacrifice with the best sacrifice ever. And we have, boom. Like I literally wrote that. Boom. You guys remember? Did you laugh? You guys remember when, um, in, in, uh, back when we were reading in Exodus, or in Hebrews actually, how it said that the high priest had to atone for his own sins, because he was a sinner, and then he had to atone for everybody else's, but that, that sacrifice only lasted one year, just one year. Why? Because it was, it was, it was a human thing. It was coming from, from, from this earth. This, this, this sacrifices were being produced from this earth. We were trying to attain a heavenly state from an earthly perspective. We were trying to reach heaven, to reach God by earthly means. It was a limited, it was a limited fix. It wasn't a for sure, like, fix it all fix. It was just like a little put tape over it kind of fix so God wasn't good with that can you turn to your neighbor and said not God not God nope <laughs> he was not good with that he said no I need to connect with my people I need to I need to have a relationship with them this can't be it for us I need them back in my life they need me back in their life so I'm gonna send the highest priest and he's gonna make the greatest sacrifice he's gonna tear that curtain he's gonna eradicate that separation between him and 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 us you guys do you guys get that you guys get it? Oh, like, I don't know how you guys aren't like jumping. God, God, oh, God, Jesus, he just like tore up that separation. So now there is no separation. So now everybody and their mama can come to the presence, the most holy presence, because of what Jesus did. Can I get an amen? Yes. All right, let's go to Hebrews again. Hebrews 9 now. Okay, and we're going to read verse 11. Can I get a hallelujah when you're there? Hallelujah, okay. So it says this. It says, So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered... That greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Amen. 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 Woo. Let's go to now uh, verse 24. You guys there? Amen. Okay, so it says, 
<clears throat> For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the holy priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, I'm sorry, if that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. Yes. Jesus, when he died, he didn't only, I'm not, I'm not demeaning this by any, by any means, like, I'm not. I'm not saying that this is, this is lower than anything. So I'm just giving you that right now. That's not what I'm saying. But when Jesus Christ died, he didn't only come to guarantee our spot in heaven. Like he didn't just come for that. While that is amazing, and I can't wait for that, that's not all he came to do. If he did, we would be waiting until death to connect with God. If it was just salvation that was in this sacrifice, then we wouldn't know God not until we died and we're in heaven. Does that make sense? So can you imagine living life knowing that not until you die will you meet this person that paid this, this price for you? What kind of life would that be? What kind of life would we have if, if it was just salvation that Jesus gave us? But it wasn't just salvation. He didn't only guarantee our spot in eternity, but he guaranteed our connection with him right now. Amen. He rid us of that tabernacle. You guys remember that what, what wanted to happen, what the Holy Spirit had revealed, was that that tabernacle, that old system, had to be done away with? You remember that? Well, Jesus did it. So now there is no more tabernacle. Jesus came to establish our heavenly connection. When, when that curtain broke, it didn't just break our connection with him here, like our ability to pray to him, our ability to have a relationship with him. But for better lack of explaining this, I'm going to use this explanation. When that curtain broke, it broke the galactic barrier that we had. It broke that barrier between heaven and earth. So now there is no barrier between heaven and earth. You guys get me? There's no more curtain to prevent us into stepping into heaven. There's no more barrier. There's nothing stopping us from stepping into heaven and heavenly places. Nothing. So why are we talking about this? Why, Cynthia, are you talking about this? You said that it was going to get us to understand above the clouds. Well, this is why we're talking about this. Some of us have not really understood 
that actual connection that we have. Some of us haven't realized the actual connection, the actual availability to God and everything about him that we have. And what I want us to, to establish tonight is I want us to all, I want for us to all know that connection that we have. I want, us for, I want for us to know that availability that we have to step right into heaven. Heaven isn't above anymore. Heaven isn't galaxies away. It isn't light years away. Heaven is, is here. When Jesus walks into the room, or actually before I do that, let's go to 2 Corinthians. Sorry. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 3, verse 14. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds, so that they cannot understand the truth. And this, excuse me, and this veil can, re, can be removed only by believing in Christ. So I'm not pointing any fingers. Nobody here is pointing any fingers. I've been here. I'm pointing fingers at myself. Some of us have, have still been living as if that veil was never torn. We've been living with limited access to Jesus and what he made available for us. So now I'm going to tell you, when Jesus walks into the room, what happens is that heaven goes where Jesus goes. Because Jesus is from heaven. Jesus carries heaven with him. So when Jesus walks into this room, what does he bring with him? Heaven. He brings heaven. And what's in heaven? Perfection, wholeness, completion, holiness, God. So when Jesus walks into the room, when Jesus walks into this place, perfection, holiness, heaven, completion, walk in with him. And when do we have access to Jesus? All the time and always. We always have access to Jesus. So if we always have access to Jesus, then that must mean, logically, that we always have access to what he brings with him. Amen? Amen. Amen. You guys all got it. Give yourselves a hand. <laughs> So I want us to get supernatural. You guys ready to get supernatural? Amen? Okay. So, this is what I was thinking about the other day. We were having a meeting with uh, Carlos Belen, um, and we were talking uh, about the design of the shirt that you guys are going to get tonight. We were, we were talking about the shirt, and we were just coming up with the designs. And I don't know why, but this conversation sparked. And we started talking about how when we pray, how we can step into certain areas because of what Jesus did for us. So this is what I want to tell you guys. This is what, this is like my meat and potatoes, okay? For the vegetarians, this is my vegetables and potatoes. <laughs> when you pray, whether it's in your living room, in your bedroom, while you're washing dishes, while you're doing laundry, while you're washing the car, while you're working, while you're at school. When you connect with God, 
when you just speak the name of Jesus, when you turn your awareness to him, what happens at that moment is that he comes, right? And because he comes, what happens is that you are no longer at your living room. You are no longer washing dishes in your kitchen. You are no longer at work. What happens is that you're in heaven. When you're praying, you're in heaven. Because Jesus brings heaven wherever he goes. When we, when we live like that, when we understand that, when we just, yeah, when we understand that, we begin to understand and we start to actually begin to live in that intimacy that God has desired for us to live in. The intimacy that God designed to have with us will come when we just realize that we are no longer praying in a human place when we're praying. Because we're not doing a human thing when we're praying. When we pray, we're doing a supernatural thing. Because we have faith behind it. Because we believe that we're not just talking into air. We believe that we're not just talking to ourselves. But we believe that we are talking to Jesus. That he hears us. We are, we, are, we are putting faith into action. And faith is not human. Faith is supernatural. Faith is from heaven. Amen? Amen. So we were talking about this the other day. And my husband actually mentioned it this past Sunday. But um, all of us want to see change in this world. You know, a lot of really bad things have been happening around us. A lot of bad things constantly happening. There's wars. There are rumors of wars. There are, there's racism. There's just, there's a lot of horrible things happening. Women being abducted to be sold into, into just perversion. Like a lot of bad things are happening in, in this world. And so a lot, of, a lot of people, most people in this world want to see change. We all want to see that stop. We want to see hatred stop. We want peace, right? As a believer, what we believe, what we want, is we want for the world to know Jesus. Not know of Jesus, but actually know Jesus. Because when we know Jesus, then the supernatural stuff starts happening. And when Jesus moves, things change. Things shift. But what happens sometimes is if, if we take our human effort, then we're going to get a human result. And human results are temporary. Because we humans are temporary. But spiritual life is eternal so if we partner with God if we take this understanding of when we pray when we connect when we become aware of him we actually step into heavenly realms then things actually change because we're putting supernatural things supernatural 
supernaturality into it. I guess that's a word. I just made it up if it's not. Now, if we approach supernatural stuff is really important. Like, knowing that there is supernatural things happening is important. Because if we approach an incredibly unhuman God with human efforts, then my dear brother and sister, we're going to find ourselves very disappointed. If we try to reach out to a, to a very unhuman being, a very unhuman God, with human expectations, with human emotions, with just all of our humanity, then we're going to be disappointed because all of that, all of that effort is coming from us. It's not coming from a place of relationship. It's not coming from a place of intimacy with God. It's just coming from ours, from ourselves, from our knowledge, from just what we can do. You guys follow? So I want us to say this. I want you to say, I am human, but I'm not. So can you say that again? I am human, but I'm not. We are human, but we are not. Because what's supposed to happen in us, what I believe is happening in us, and what I see happening for us at this retreat this weekend, is I believe that the spirit in us will begin to take more dominion over the flesh that we have on us. And when that happens, then we're human, but not really, because we are spiritual. It is pivotal that we understand that if we approach life this way, if we approach life, if we approach everything that we do, knowing that Jesus is with us and he brings heaven with us, I mean, with him wherever he goes, then things change for us. Our life will be changed. Imagine like knowing and believing wholeheartedly that Jesus is with you and heaven is with him. And so you are in heaven with him. That would change my life. And that's what I want. That's what I, I really, like, that's what I came set on for this weekend for myself. Is I want my life to be radically changed this weekend. I want to know what this whole above the clouds thing is about. Like, I want to understand that way of thinking. And I want to live that way. Because I know that that way will change me. And it will, it will allow me to live more fulfilled, more intimate with God. So let's go to Hebrews again. We're going to go to chapter 4 this time. And we're going to go to um, verse 16. So before we read this verse, we went on a journey from understanding where we used to be. You guys all got that? And this is where we, we are now. Because Jesus broke that veil. Because Jesus broke that separation. This is where we are now. Verse 16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So it says, so let us come boldly to the throne of God. My brother and my sister, we now can come boldly to the throne of God. And I want you to really think about what that means. I want you to really think about what it means to be able to come before the presence of the Lord. What it means to be before. 
before the most holy of holies? What is it like for us now that we get Jesus to walk into the room with us? What an amazing God we have. What an amazing Jesus we have that he makes these things possible for us. You know, the other night I was praying. I was praying and I had this vision. And I had a vision of the house, but I didn't see the house. My, my vision started in the hallway of this house. My vision started in the hallway of this house. And I was walking in the hallway, and then I, I came upon this door, and I knocked in it. And to my surprise, it was Jesus' door to his room. This was Jesus' house. So when he opened his room, his door, he invited me into his room. And I was able to sit at the foot of his bed. And I was able to talk to him as if he was just there with me. And I was just there with him in his room. And we all can do that. We all can go into Jesus' bedroom that to be but take a moment take a moment and just close your eyes and imagine what it's like to be in his room I don't know what you see I don't know if you see a fireplace I don't know if you see a rug and, 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 and you can now lay on the rug with him and just have a chat with him I don't know what you picture but you can now enter into that place you can now enter into his room So my brother 